We're jumping in, continuing work sucks. We're talking about uh, 1980s 9 to 5. Listen, women be working. We got a summary of the movie. They've come a long way, baby. Well, <laughs> we've got we've got the song to talk about. We're going to talk about this movie. We're going to talk about how bosses are worthless except our bosses, which are great. <laughs> except for um, any bosses who might hear this. We're going to have opinions on open offices that will go exactly how you would expect it would. Uh, and listen, we got to continue the theme this season. We're going to have some work suck stories. Also, one more thing. Special guest today. Work sucks. Shh. I know. Welcome to the Midnight Boys present a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob. Joined, as always, by my rooster friends. Joe and Duff. Hey, big boy. <laughs> Hello. And, uh, you know, changing things up a little bit, we're going to be talking about 9 to 5. We got a hen joining the roosters today, guys. <laughs> uh, any any fans of Titanic Minute would recognize her. She wrote Sinking Feeling, our uh, friend of the show, Caroline. Thank you for uh, coming on here so there's some sort of authentic, I don't know, there's there's some sort of authority as we talk about 9 to 5. Yeah, I'm very excited. I've I've been triggered when watching this. I was texting Rob. I was like, I'm like eight minutes in and I'm triggered. I have a lot right. to say already. <laughs> so we we are uh, like I said, work sucks. We talked about um... it sucks so bad, <laughs> and sucks more if you're a lady. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So we talked about blue collar last week, um, and now we're on to nine to five, which. Um, if you don't know, I'm sure you you know the song, which we'll get to. But this is a uh, 1980 Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton come together and make this comedy that uh, talks about the workplace of 1980. And I wish I could look back at this movie now and be like, oh, isn't that silly? The things they were mad about and how much we've moved ahead. Um, ha, no, no, no <laughs> child care at work. What a primitive country. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How, how yeah. did our parents survive uh, it is... a work environment that doesn't respect family life? <laughs> <laughs> it is terrifying how this movie is 42 years old. This uh, movie is older than everyone talking on this podcast, right? Yes, mm-hmm. right. Uh, and yet it holds up incredibly well, which is a, a credit to the movie and also a discredit to the world. Go America. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's jump into what happens in this movie. I'm going to try my best to... It's, um, it's ridiculous, really. It, <laughs> it is absurd. It is... Um, we have a, a workplace. We have the boss, um, played by Dabney Coleman, who, by the way, guys, I was thinking about this. Dabney Coleman... We've talked a lot about Dabney Coleman movies. Yeah. yeah. The, the Midnight Boys have explored Dabney Coleman quite a bit. Well... Uh, we've uh, talked phrasing, about You've Got Mail. Phrasing... <laughs> You've got mail, nine to five, War Games and Clifford. This is the fourth Dabney Coleman movie. I mean, when you, when you talk about enough movies, you 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 start to notice the the people that are like, yeah, I want to work, right? And, you know, yeah. and they just they take jobs. Like I I think that's probably how I would be as an actor. I mean, that's how most actors have to be, unless you're a star. Especially Dabney Coleman. Like he is he is not leading man material. Yeah. So uh, Dabney Coleman is this, is is the boss. Uh, Spoilers, not a great guy. Um, 
And and we have we kind of introduced to the workplace as uh, Jane Fonda's character Judy is a new employee. She shows up and she's sort of handed off to uh, Lily Tomlin, um, who plays the character Violet. And Violet is sort of the uh, the the I guess the the more experienced employer. Violet knows, Violet knows what's up. Yeah, Violet mm-hmm. is the one who knows everything at the workplace. Yep. And at first, you know, she's sort of like, oh, God, there's another lady. It's Jane. I'm not – I mean, Judy, I'm not that interested. Um, but they become pretty close. And then we also are introduced to uh, Dabney Coleman's character, Frank, his secretary, who's played in her very first um, cinematic role – uh, it's uh, Dolly Parton who plays Dora Lee. What a name, Dora Lee. Dora Lee, y'all. <laughs> Dora Lee. Um, and I, I do think it's interesting, like, right away, uh, even even Violet is like, oh, Dora Lee has slept, sleeps with the boss, and that's how she got in her position. Um, that, like, even in this, early on in this movie, we sort of have, like, a, a female colleague, like, you know, dragging another one for a reason that's not supported by any actual evidence of that happening to um, be fair dabney coleman has spread that rumor absolutely yeah mm-hmm. that that's a good point dabney coleman uh would like that to be true and mm. is trying to will it into the world the best he can not not subtly nope by like <laughs> knocking pens over so she has to lean over to pick them up oh and uh, being gross he, yeah. he's being gross um so Eventually, the three become friends. The three women become friends, and Violet's turned down by for a promotion that she deserves. She learns that this, you know, Dorley, Dorley learns that there's this rumor that that she's with the boss and that he, the boss is spreading it. Judy is just sort of learning about how awful stuff is in the workplace, and they all go out to get drinks, which I love, by the way. Like you know, this movie and um, and and Blue Collar have um, uh colleagues getting drinks after work I like. it, it's about how work drives you to functional alcoholism <laughs> yes. Yes. i which just is like the when best, people party which might be the best part about work if we're being honest <laughs> uh <laughs> and, and drugs so they, it yeah so they go and hang out and then they you know they go back to i believe violet's place and they you know they enjoy some some marijuana and they laugh so hard their faces turn red some joke. uh I forget yeah. who says it, but some Mary Juana. Mary Juana. They, they Maui, bust out Maui. a jazz cigarette. Yep. Uh, and they start fantasizing about how they would kill their boss or what, how they would get rid of him, get revenge. And we have three different fantasies. And we don't have to necessarily go through each one, but my question to, so, to all of you is, <laughs> is there a fantasy you enjoyed most of the three? I thought you were going to ask me what my fantasy yeah, is. Yeah, what is your <laughs> fantasy? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one. Um, uh, I en- well, I enjoyed Lily Tomlin's the most when it's like the the, uh, the Snow like, White yeah the the Disney esque animals and she you know puts strychnine or rat poison or whatever into the coffee right right what about yeah, you Joe me too probably just because it's <laughs> I respected the courage of like let's just get some cartoons into this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> what about you Caroline what was your favorite? I would go with Dora Lee's the best because she really turns it over on him like the way she talks to him is exactly the way that he did to her. Mm. So you you want to get the humiliation? Yeah, like around. I want I want him to understand what it feels like to be a woman in the workplace who has that type of manager or or male counterpart or what have you. Um, right. Yeah, that's I'm with my you. Favorite. 
I like the Dora Lee one as well. Also, you know, she gets the lasso and rides it on mm-hmm. a horse to work. Um, mm-hmm. A big fan, big fan of of all that. So they have these, you know, and they're just it's just for laughs. You know, they're having these fantasies or exchanging these ideas. It's all fun. It's all fun and games. No worries, right? Mm-hmm. Well, until until there's a mix up, and uh, Violet, you know, as you do on your work on your lunch at work when you go out to buy some rat poison. <laughs> She does that, and she gets it mixed up with the uh, what kind of sugar is it, guys? It has like a a it's, funny name. It's some of that '80s no calorie junk. It's like simple sweet, yeah. right? Something it's, like that. it's the stuff that's in pink packets now. Um, so she goes and she mixes it up when she makes her boss's coffee. But before he can drink it, his uh, he like falls out of his desk chair and hits his head on the 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 desk or whatever. And she runs in there and she sees the coffee poured over and thinks, "Oh my god." I accidentally poisoned my boss. <laughs> she's like, oh, my God. The way this whole mix-up where she's convinced that he's dead. Turns out he's not. He's fine. He was released out of the hospital. But they don't know this, so they, like, steal a different dead body, and then it becomes, like, a Weekend at Bernie's thing where they've taken this <laughs> dead body, and it's not even the right dead body. I, I, this, I'm actually the, – this. The movie almost lost me. Here. Oh, this is what I'm enjoying myself at my most. Well, I, I'm not – I'd not say I didn't like it, but, but I was like, I don't know if we're going to – what we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's enough actual, like, s- satirical content here. Right. But that that ends up all just being a MacGuffin because they, they yeah. like, come back to work and he's there and it's fine. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess we're fine. We're not going to trouble. But there's a snitch, the worst, an <laughs> office snitch. I can't remember her name. Um, Roz. <laughs> Roz, little bathroom snitch. Every office has one. Oh. Anything she hears, he hears. Absolutely, right? sh- and and Duff's right. Every workplace has one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's like sh- sitting in the bathroom with her legs up, listening as a writing it on a roll of toilet paper. Right, like you yeah. know you're gonna bring a piece of paper in there. Well, come on. Right. So they um, she hears like they kind of recount what happened that night, and then she tells the boss frank and he was like oh i'm gonna you know show them what's what and then they're like oh we, we're not gonna get in trouble for this so then they kidnap him <laughs> and bring him out to his after house bad here because his his wife i love so okay frank's a bad guy but i will say the one moment that made me laugh legitimately is early in the movie his wife comes to him and is like oh we should go on a cruise for four weeks and the way he reacts to the idea of going on a cruise with his wife for four weeks is the most genuine thing I think in this movie. It was like four weeks. Oh, I felt so. <laughs> I feel. I felt so bad for her. Oh, the wife. Oh, I do too. But I don't listen, want to go on listen, a vacation for I, four weeks. Frank is a bad guy, but right. four weeks is a long. Time. That's a long yeah. time. I will I'm not go on doing vacation that for four weeks. I'm ready. You, uh, Frank's wife. I'll go with you. You'll go with yeah. her if you're listening. I'll go. <laughs> I think it, I think it's because it's a cruise ship. Like yeah, just, I don't. I don't. And I'm not. I'll be. I'll de- be dead before I go on a four week cruise. Like, uh, unless yeah. it's Senator Rock's cruise, and he's yeah. Oh well, that's us. different. Because <laughs> uh, there's gonna be culture on board. Yeah, live music. But you you want to ride? You know, go on trains throughout Europe for four weeks? Sure, I'll do that. All right. So um, they kidnap him. <laughs> they put him into a weird sex machine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is this is one of the biggest. I uh, I was so turned on during this. I lulled, <laughs> I lulled a lot at this because it's like 
it's half constructed from S&M sex gear and half from like climbing equipment from Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. made from a garage door opener. Uh <laughs> which they they essentially attach him in this room and then whenever he like acts up when they're like just hit a button and it's like a garage door opener just pulls him up and suspends him from the ceiling and every time they do it it makes me laugh a lot. Because yeah. it's clearly Dabney Coleman being pulled back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's lucky William Friedkin wasn't directing this because oh he would have turned it up way faster and he would have thrown on his back. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, so they find out that he – the reason they've kidnapped him is that they found that he's been essentially embezzling stuff through the company and they need to, like, tell the head office, but there's, like, a – I don't know. There's some reason where they can't tell the head office right away. There's like a couple weeks. So they have to keep them hidden for a few weeks until they can I mean, tell the head the, office what actually look, happened. This, this is a screwball comedy. And right, at a matter. certain point, it doesn't matter the logic of it. <laughs> but here's the important thing that happens. The ladies are in charge and no one knows this. And they start making all these changes in the workplace. And changes that in 1980 would seem like quite wild i would say and now we're still like hey why don't we do this like fair pay and daycare center and flexible hours and also unmentioned but but like pointed out in the movie like a diverse staff like we Mm -hmm. see the staff and it's like all kinds of different people are working in that office now or just that like the same you know positions for men and women pay the same (laughs) right yeah just Yeah. yeah so um it all you know it all he gets out and it looks like he's gonna you know the the gig is up the jig is up as they say i guess is it a jig or a gig jig jig the jig is up but then uh uh (laughs) sterling hayden shows up as the colonel from kentucky fried chicken oh my gosh i'm so glad you said that i was like he's colonel sanders I was so upset that they put him in the credits because how great would it have been if we didn't know he was in this movie? <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure he refused to be uncredited because he wanted the bag because yeah. he needed it so he could continue drinking himself to death on a boat. <laughs> yeah, um, so, which I think he was doing a few years after this. But uh, if I would have been watching this whole movie and then not knowing it, Sterling Hayden just strolls in. Oh, I would have laughed so hard. I did not know Sterling. I did not notice his name in the credits. So when he oh, showed okay. up as as the colonel i was as like, the chairman of the board <laughs> so yeah. my theory is that sterling hayden just showed up to the set dressed as colonel sanders and because he's cur- because he's sterling hayden everyone was too scared to say anything i thought that- it worked though i did yeah i loved it i thought it was cool uh so uh you know he ends up complimenting um frank on all the great work and progressive stuff he's done <laughs> and uh you know so like you, we sort of see like a post you know, uh, we have the text over the the characters we learn. Everyone kind of like the three characters move on and become successful. Um, and at the end, <laughs> at the end, Hart is sent off to Brazil. And Joe, I was wondering, maybe you you would have an answer for this. <laughs> Where do you think he's staying at in Brazil? Yeah, probably at Mike's. <laughs> is that going to stay in? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably staying at Mike's apartment in Brazil. <laughs> Um, I hated the ending. I'm just going to say it right now. What, he gets kidnapped by a tribe of Amazons? That oh. was a nice finisher, but yeah. there was no recognition from Colonel Sanders that he didn't actually do all the changes. And that's what right. me off the But list. that's what would happen in real life. No, and that's what makes me angry. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
Well, also, I don't care if he gets kidnapped by Amazons. Whatever. <laughs> turns into yeah. Green Inferno. Sure. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it or even it is like a moment like you know where the the colonel seems like a really good guy, but he was like at one point he whispers to Frank like get rid of this equal pay thing. We can't yeah. be doing that. The so cur- like the colonel only cares much like all of America. He only cares if the stock goes up. Yeah, Perhaps. he just cares about production and efficiency. He doesn't actually care about revenue and yeah he needs to see the revenue yeah he's right uh he's that like that classic line he's socially liberal and economically conservative right right uh, that tell right yeah yeah he's he's socially liberal when it benefits he's, him he's for women's rights as long as it makes him bank yes <laughs> yeah so that that is the movie did I, did I miss anything that uh i should have mentioned no uh, i don't think so like question uh do we ever not that it matters i don't care but do we know what this company does no, no, we don't. And I kind of loved it. And yeah, I, it doesn't I, matter because I think that same. makes it better. And yeah. I kind of like that. That's just like unnamed. Like it's kind of like the the Jetsons where it just makes sprockets. Like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter, right? Because it's all workplaces, right? It's all office. It's just environments. You know, it's just the random like oh typing and xeroxing and take a memo and just random, just random odd jobs like that. Right, and as we've talked about the season, work sucks, and it doesn't even matter what they're doing. Ultimately. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was just curious if I had missed it. It's just like it's just yeah. like weird conglomerate America. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, so is this the first time all of us had seen this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. yeah. Like I felt like I had seen it, but I yeah I had not actually seen it all the way through. I had um recently, and it was a, a season idea I was thinking about, and ultimately. Uh, maybe someday we could do it, but um, it kind of ties in a lot with this. I had uh, a couple weeks ago, a month ago or so, read Films of Endearment by Michael Korowski. And it's like a this guy who writes about a movie from each year in the 80s uh, of like a movie his mom loved and he would watch with his mom. So it starts with 9 to 5 in 1980. He talks mm-hmm. about that. And part of the point of the book is like the 80s, while we know him for like all the box office and blockbuster movies that came out in the 80s, there was like a... A, a very large, um, uh, like, the nine to five was the second biggest movie of 1980, right? Like, there was these movies that were made by women, just for women, with strong female characters, often very liberal in a lot of the ideas that were, like, very big in, like, the, I would say, late 70s or early 90s. And, and nine to five would be it an example. It is wild that. that the only movie that was bigger this year was uh, Empire Strikes Back. Right? Yeah. And that, like, no. that's crazy. Yeah. That is insane. Uh, like, that would never... I was thinking, like, the closest thing I could think of to a movie like this in recent history would be Bridesmaids? Yeah. For, like, yeah. for maybe, like being big enough? Maybe. I mean, it was nowhere near as big, but Hustlers was kind mm-hmm. of a... Mm, I yeah. mean, that was, that was directed by a woman, and it was woman-focused. Uh, yeah. This, was, this movie wasn't directed by a woman, but uh, very, you know... No, no, but but like it was produced and sort of like like shepherded through. And by, the dr- um, the driving force of this movie to is Jane Fonda. What, yeah, it was Jane Fonda. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, this movie I, actually made me think of my mom a lot because my mom uh, loved both Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. My mom loves this movie. I texted her. and I was like, "Have you ever seen Nine to Five? And she was like, "It's such a cute film." And then can continue to like send me 20 different facts about it right yeah i mean yeah massive hit it's huge i I enjoyed it more like 
you know, there's a lot of stuff, especially I think comedies are always much more of their time, but I really enjoyed it. I liked yeah, it I a too. lot. I did too. Uh, I also want to just like throw, I mean, we can, we can dive into one of these women individually, but like, I think we should see the comment on like Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda and Dolly Parton have been stars in totally mm-hmm. different ways for 50 years. Yeah. And that is an incredible fact for any woman who's like gone through Hollywood. The fact that all three of them who are the leads in this movie have had like these incredible careers, a very different, right? I mean, like Lily Tomlin, like, you know, her seventies work is like a lot of, you know, critic darling movies and stuff. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, her and Jane Fonda, uh, what's that movie? The the show they had on Netflix, Frankie and great grace and Frankie, grace and Frankie. Yeah. Dolly Parton obviously is like, I don't know. She's got to be one of the most famous women in America, right? Yeah. I mean, there's not many people who can have a theme park. No. Yeah. No. That's it. Uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee is an absolute hellscape of. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, she she literally came from nothing. She was like raised in like a, a log cabin with like 12 siblings and just somehow i mean i'm skipping over a lot but just came into one of the most famous you know became one of the most famous country stars and actors ever right and someone who's been and someone who's been in not a lot of movies but shows movies very well yeah and also has like remained i think one thing i think is really cool about her is her marriage is no one really knows who her husband is yeah. And that's not a common thing for people who are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> Oprah isn't, I, I thought Oprah isn't married. I thought that's just like her man it, friend. Oh, yeah. Stad- well, she, she, she has Stedman. Stedman, yeah. yeah. And then there's yeah. all the theories that her and Gail are girlfriends, but that's a whole different Which, thing. Whatever. Who cares? You know what? Who cares? Yeah, just... I don't know anything about Dolly Parton's husband, who she's been with since so, 1960. Oh, very long time. Carl. Yeah, he has like no interest in, yeah. in like Which I so, I actually so. really love. Like good for good for you. This is and this is a very interesting thing I've been kind of thinking about this recently about how like all like music and pop stars are actors in a way and that there's like the you know, there's the public Dolly Parton, but then she's very good at keeping the private Dolly Parton private. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been to yeah. her restaurant in Nashville. Okay. Um, what's it? What's it called? White limousine, but limousine <laughs> is spelled with a Z. Nice. Um, okay. It was. I mean, I was very inebriated when I uh, arrived in there. As a lady? Yeah. No shocking. Way. I mean, do- Dolly what? would approve. Yeah. Um, it was. It was really fun. I mean, there's a giant statue of her head on the <laughs> rooftop. Um, there's like cute red and yellow or red and white umbrellas by the pool like it was really it was really fun um the food wasn't great but like you're there for the experience right this sounds like when i've been to jimmy buffett's restaurant exactly (laughs) margaritaville yeah where they had champagne jello shots which were fantastic so (laughs) joe and i can never have jello shots again (laughs) yeah because we we maybe had too many because of me one time. <laughs> Sounds right. It's a solid bet. Uh, yeah. I, I, so I also think, like, we mentioned, Duff, you were mentioning about how, like, uh, this is not directed by a woman, which is true. 
which is true. But I do think the point of view of this movie is fascinating because like, we mentioned how Jane Fonda is the one who like produced this movie. Uh, the idea came from her. It's actually a rare movie where the script, like the idea came from Jane Fonda and the script was written with these three actresses in mind. And so, like, the characters are written with the idea, which is, like, pretty rare. And it's kind of that really old-school Hollywood idea of that the director is actually beholden to the producer and they work in tandem. Mm -hmm. Because, and from what I've heard, that everyone got along really well and it was a great... It was, like, a great shoot. Uh, Lily Tomlin wanted to quit after the first day, though. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so this is from my mother, Denise. Okay. All right. Um, is she a reliable she's... source? Denise is Duff, Duff, believe women. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I would say in this scenario, yes. And the only reason I believe that is because it, my mom loves Twitter, and like this isn't something she would find on Twitter. Like she was like, "Yep, Lily Tomlin wanted to quit after the first day because she was really, she was just really nervous about her relationship with Dolly and like how, um." Like she's kind of like her character. Like she's very genuine and she's very true. And I think that kind of intimidated her a little bit, based mm. on what my mom said. Um, yeah, okay, but she but, wanted to. But put that's up not like say. people were like you know fighting. No, people were people were Yeah, they weren't. Because the three of them are all really good friends now. Yeah, correct. They're life. really good friends. But I think the concept of Dolly Parton was just like an odd scenario to Lily when she was like, "Oh, this woman is actually not a jerk." Well, also, like, I, I remember reading somewhere, uh, not from your mom, but somewhere else. Or, uh, <laughs> not from Denise Radon. What, yeah, what is your mom's Twitter handle, by the way? Um, it's at just to say this. The two is a number two. She would love some extra followers. <laughs> we'll give her that Midnight Boys bump. Yeah. Please do. Um, so uh, Dolly Parton, this is her first movie, and she was like, you know, she wanted to do her best, right? So the story is apparently this is from you know dolly has said this she memorized the entire script not just her character's lines i believe she memorized that. everyone's lines um but this movie the the, the screenwriter you know uh, that's awesome hard emma, yeah i mean emma watson did the same thing on harry potter like with the first two films you can see her in certain scenes like reading back what the other person is saying because she was so nervous about like not being taken seriously as a woman on this on the like mm. actual, you know, set. I've also um, I've also heard that someone we recently sung the praises of, uh, Nick Cage, will do that, and then like he'll <laughs> he will show up to like table reads and just blow people away because he's off script already. Interesting. Uh, so the the screenwriter, one of the screenwriters, is Patricia Resnick. So it's a female screenwriter. The um the uh, the filmmaker is interesting. It's Colin Higgins, which I was like, oh, I want to know more about him. Uh, he wrote the screenplay for Harold and Maude, which we've talked about before. A movie which, looking back, I feel like I was harder, harsher on than I should have been. Yes. I'm, hey, Joe, I'm, I'm admitting. I, you, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I cruise-pilled you. I Tom cruise-pilled you. Yeah, I'm so cruise-pilled right now. <laughs> I'm ready Joe, to be one of his slaves. Joe and I are going to get uh, Top Gun tattoos on our on her, on her biceps. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm ready um, to be a slave on his, on his Scientology yacht. Yep. Tom, let uh, me on board. As a legend, a legend. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, thank you. That's smart to say. Uh, yeah. Satire, a legend. Yeah. <laughs> satire, the, satire, the, satire, parody. The, uh, the legal team was sweating there. Yeah. <laughs> so Colin Higgins, uh, I was like shocked to find out he died at the age of 47. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, what happened, right? He And he also directed the best little whorehouse in Texas and Silver Streak. And I was like, oh, this guy was on a roll. Um, Must have gotten was, on well with Dolly Parton. He was, well, he was openly gay. And he died of uh, age-related illness in 1988 at only the age of 47. And uh, he started, and I looked this up, the Colin Higgins Foundation. He established this in 1986 to provide support for gay and transgender youth. Still going on. I looked, they've like, they've like, since 1986, like given over like $5 million to, um, to like causes related to the uh, LGBTQ stuff. So Colin Higgins, man. Good you know, oh, an untimely death, but like, what a great guy. He must have been one of the, along with Rock Hudson, one of the first really high profile AIDS casualties. I was thinking that too. I mean, that's like 86, or, you know, like, can you imagine like starting in 1986, a like gay and transgender youth like foundation? It's, it's remarkable. Yeah. Um, for that time, that's pretty out there. Right? Yeah. So yeah, when did um, Anthony Perkins die? Like oh, yeah, that was very, sweet. very early nineties. Yeah, ninety two. I'm seeing. Okay, yeah, he was an early one too, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So I don't know. I just, I just found that to be uh, really interesting. I don't think we talked about him when we talked about Harold and Maude. So mm-hmm. I just took the the viewpoint of like a female screenwriter, uh, a gay screen. He also co-wrote it and like director. It very much come comes through as the voice of the the outsider, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. I just thought that was worth mentioning. Uh, is there anything... I mean, it's tough because all three of these women are incredible in their own ways. Anything someone wants to mention of Lily Tomlin or Jane Fonda or Dolly Parton? I, the only thing I could think of is if... Uh, and Duff, I know you would uh, you would agree with this, but um, you must remember this did a, a, I don't know how many part series um, on Jane Fonda uh, and like all the work she's what done. A, what a life. I, Absolutely, I, I haven't. <laughs> crazy. I haven't watched that HBO doc, but I know that I've heard that that's pretty good. But I mean, I mean, just the fact number one that she's born into Hollywood royalty, uh, and then rebels against it. Quite, and then and then, but before that becomes a sex symbol, she's right. uh, bar. Is it Barbara? Barbarella. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know. Uh, I was going to say, against my better judgment, I follow Turner Classic Movies on Facebook. And when... How old are you? And when... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, those are two things that, like, make me, like, 65. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And whenever there's a movie with Jane Fonda, it is still remarkable how many dudes are mad about her being being in a photo sitting on a tank in 1970 whatever it is absolutely wild i i have only one one thing left to say about about the talent here yeah is i i love lily tomlin oh absolutely i will fight david o russell for screaming (laughs) at her on the set of i heart huckabees you have never forgiven david o russell I (laughs) I, I i mean how, how could anyone? Can you imagine screaming at Lily Tomlin? No. Like, I I mean, David O. Russell's a prick for a lot of reasons. Yeah, but yeah. Right. She actually hasn't been in as many movies as you would think for how long her career has been going on, which I find, like, interesting. Uh, I mean, she's, I... she's kind of done everything. Like, she started in TV and did comedy albums and then 
you know, she's done so much. Like, she pops up in random stuff. Well, she's um, in Spider-Man say, into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. I will say that her her um, her storyline with Tom Waits and Shortcuts is the ideal love story. Thank you. I was just saying, whenever I think of her, I think of her when she just absolutely drills that kid dr- walking across the street in her car in Shortcuts. <laughs> and the absolute panic she has... Uh, I don't know. That's what I think about, which is kind of messed up. But, uh, yeah, she she's great. My wife loves Lily Tomlin. Oh my god. Uh, I think she's... I think she I think she hosted an episode of the Muppet Show, which automatically makes you. An <laughs> <laughs> that would be my absolute dream. Oh yeah, that oh. is good. Uh, okay, so let's 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 uh, finish a couple more things about this movie, and then we can dive into the themes. I mean. The one thing Dolly Parton, because she is a smart businesswoman, she was when she was offered a role to do this movie, she uh, was she had one condition. She was like, "I want to do, the, I want to make the theme song for the movie." Uh, then she writes an absolute banger, absolute banger. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. So smart of them. Like we got to just put the the first thing the audience is going to hear is this song, and we got them. This was the yeah. era when a, a song could make a movie a hit, especially if it had the title of the movie. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great song. I don't know and what else to add to it's it. It's very it's funny great. because it's, I mean, you know, like you said, Dolly Parton's a savvy businesswoman. It's not really a country song, and no. this is when, and yeah, this is that... when, this is when Sorry. Dolly kind of pivots and realize like okay it's kind of, it's you know it's kind of the beginning of that whole like pop country more polished top 40 thing. i mean islands in the stream is a couple years after this right yeah, that's man. another like not very country song her her and kenny yeah yep uh i actually oh a friend of mine i was mentioning about nine to five and she was like i've, I've never seen it she's like isn't it a musical and i was like no you just think that because that banger song well it is now isn't it <laughs> it is a musical well it is true you're right it is a musical now it's a good point it has since become a musical uh, and uh, also, um, Duff, maybe you know more about this. A TV show? Question mark. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I looked at this and I'm like, it was a TV show, and I, it's this is one of those things where it's there used to be so many episodes of television that were produced and now are just forgotten and just no one remembers because so nine to five. Uh, it inspired a TV show that went on the air on ABC in uh, 1982. And it ran through, it ran for like two seasons and then was in syndication. It limped to the finish line with 85 episodes. That's a lot. That's a lot. And yet, do you, like, I've never seen a clip from it. I did not. I didn't know this at all. Um, Jane Fonda was actually the executive producer for the first season or when two when was this like it started in 82 oh okay, and yeah all right so we would have been very but i mean think about how much junk that started that year we've seen like this is the era of like happy days and charles in charge and we know about that yeah sure okay Good um point. but i just thought the casting is pretty funny so uh the dolly parton character was played by rachel dennison who is dolly's younger sister huh. like uh, in real life yeah, in real oh, life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the I, I don't remember the characters' names, but the Jane Fonda character was played by Valerie Curtin, who is a cousin of Jane Curtin. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, Lily okay. Tomlin's character was played by Rita Moreno from West Side Story. Oh, West Side Story. And they, mm-hmm. they had to change things so that she was a, a fiery Latina. Because okay. otherwise things don't make sense. Latina heat. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, the Dabney Coleman character of the boss was originally played by Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, no touching. Uh, well, um, oh boy. he just played himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but from from what I read, that they kind of changed it from him being like a total uh, sexist, misogynist jerk and that he was kind of like the typical bumbling, inept boss guy. Okay. So... But it's just, again, it's just wild that something could run for 85 episodes, like just not that shy of syndication and just totally forgotten by time. Yeah, that is fascinating. I had no idea. So uh, I always get scared when I see this, and I know this had to be from Joe. Uh, I see there's a special question for Caroline. No, this was me, actually. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. you. Oh, boy. So I was... I, I, I don't know if it makes it scarier or less scary now. <laughs> it makes it scarier. So I, <laughs> I had asked Caroline... Are you about uh, a size 14? Well, wait. I need to say a fun... I need to say one fun fact about 9 to 5. Like, oh, the please do. Song. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So the song... I have, like, a special love for typewriters. I have... Four of them. You and, you and Tom nerd. Hanks. Caroline Hanks. Yeah, I love... Yes, you guys know I love Tom Hanks. Um, but this is one of the only few... I think it's Billboard charts. I don't remember. Songs that features the actual, like, true clacking of a typewriter. And Dolly Parton came up with that, that like, sound, like, in the, you know, the cadence of 9 to 5, using her nails, like, while on set. Yeah. Which I think is really cool she had those giant so. acrylic nails so yeah giant acrylic fact. nails forefront for the acrylic nails that was my high school dream was to have high acrylic nails like dolly parton so wow. yeah uh, uh, my special question i can't wait yeah so my question was uh which midnight boy is which lady in this movie <laughs> <laughs> so oh my God, we're deciding between question <laughs> i know it's such a good one it's so okay so doralee judy or violet so um you know, I struggled with this between two people. I'm going to start Tom, with Doralee. Did, did you give her early an early? Yes, uh, he, did. He, okay, did. he did. He did. I wanted. He I wanted your guys' uh, surprise reaction, but I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. gave her a heads up this morning. I love I it. Thank that. you, Doc. Mm-hmm. Um, so Doralee, I'm going to go with Rob because he's he's <laughs> his even, big hoots. Like, <laughs> yes, the big hoots. The big hoots. He loves those big hoots. But she's even keel and she wants to invite people into her world. Like she just wants people to like go to lunch with her. She just wants friends. She's ready she for validation. Hangs out. But everyone she, hates her. She's ready for validation. <laughs> she's ready to just enjoy a true relationship in no, that, in whatever way that means. That's accurate. Um and <laughs> And they both so, want to get effed by Dabney Coleman so Joe and Duff, I, I like went back and forth between the both of you quite a bit, but I think I'm going to go with Judy as Joe because Judy is the Jane Fonda character. Yes. Yes. Jane Fonda, because you've gone through a lot of changes in your life recently. You've had a child and I think that's really like allowed you like you can see, I think the most change from a character arc with Judy 
And Joe, I just feel like you've experienced that being a dad. Joe's had which a, mean, a character arc on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which That's means Violet is extremely true. If you go, I you, no one should. But if you go back and listen to early Rob and Joe experiences, yeah, you are very, same. you're very, you're grumpy. I say that with early, love. not now, early, early, not now. Exactly. What I'm saying is that's why he's Judy is because Judy is new. She's trying to figure it out. And the, at the end, she's found her own and she's excited, which means Duff is Violet. And I, I think that fits well because Duff is very knowledgeable about any um, topic. Mm-hmm. Mm. You, you have like you, you are answers. the best person to have on a trivia Team. This is like, probably you know, true. Absolutely true. You know, like the most random crap. I know which um, convenience store Jacob Wetterling went to. Exactly. <laughs> and what and and what movie he rented. He's gonna get brought up in every time. episode from now on. Exactly. Exactly. So, so those the are great answers. the great thing about this is that no one can be mad because it's all no no one can be mad. All, no one can be mad. These are all great ladies. Yeah, and characters. but like the Joe and Duff, I was having a hard time with Joe and Duff. Rob made total sense just because of like his the, hoots. The, <laughs> <laughs> My implants, I got. We haven't even talked about the hoots, but I'd, that's fine. Rob, if you want to get breast implants, that's fine with me. Let me okay. <laughs> I want to bring up hoops real quick on on Dolly. Parton. I can't believe it took this long. Okay, here's I cannot no, believe I it. Took I can't long. believe it either. Okay, here's the only thing. He was waiting for you for one of us to bring it up so he could I feel know, safe. I know. I yep. know. Dolly Parton, I believe, is the first time her oh mention in my household was the first time I think I became aware and noticed breasts. <laughs> Because I remember my mom and dad that's, talking that's about that's a very '80s kid statement, but I I signed yeah. on to this. No, I right, honestly yeah. that it might be for me too, because my first memory of Dolly Parton is like uh, people on TV making like maybe Letterman or someone like that making fun of her implants. Yeah. yeah. Either my I mom. I mean her. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Me. No. No. Nope, go ahead. Please. Go. Her hoots are very. Um, well, it's the bra she's wearing in this movie. They're very pointy. She has she has a nineteen fifties torpedo bra in this movie. It yes, for amazing. sure. Which it's it's like meant to accentuate that, and that's fine. She leans into it. It's fine. Yeah, I remember either my mom or my dad mentioning how Dolly Parton has huge hooters, <laughs> 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 and like. Uh, like I, it really, you know. And honestly, guy, I'm I'm gonna date myself even more. And this one's for you, Duff. <laughs> Do you know where else I think I might have heard it mentioned? And I don't. I'm sure there's a way to check this. The Carol Burnett show. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, my mom also loved Carol Burnett. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Dolly Parton is definitely my first hoot experience. <laughs> so I've I think I've mentioned this before, but my father uh, liked to pick up the Inquirer. Uh, fairly often and in the 80s and early 90s she must play it was like her and michael jackson every week like and And liz taylor and liz yeah yeah, Yeah. and it was just always talking about dolly's cosmetic surgery or got you know dolly's getting divorced or dolly has cancer or something it was it was always nonsense but like i don't know why my dad would just buy the inquirer and leave it laying around and be like oh what's that that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So let's get into what we're talking about here. Work sucks, right? Mm-hmm. 
And the big the big theme of this movie is sexism in the workplace. And at the beginning, we've talked about how it would be nice if this 40-plus-year-old movie we could look back on the way we look back at when people – in 1980 movies board an airplane and go into an airport smoking a cigarette and you go come what's going on here yeah. why is this happening we should look at this movie the way we look at gone with the wind right but we don't because a lot of the stuff maybe not as explicit but also maybe is um still is incredibly true so uh, this is where caroline this is where you know we gotta we gotta throw it to you because like you know, you you know you are a professional woman who's experienced quite a bit of success. What, like when you, you and you mentioned when you watch this movie, you're raging within minutes. Is it mm-hmm. because you're raging at the behavior of the men, or are you raging because you're like, I know what I've seen this. Both. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> trying to figure out how much I should say. So I am currently in a role. Where I fundraise. You're in a bit um, of a boys club in your. In I'm in a boys club, team. so I'm a, a director of development for a college on campus here at UW. Um, the University which is of great. Washington. The University, University of Washington. Washington. <laughs> Wyoming. Um, yep, and it's great. Like I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've been there for nine and a half You've years. Been there a long I've had time. a. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of opportunities and I'm um, very lucky. But my current role is I work I work with a lot of men, and also my constituents are a lot of men. So as a director of development, I'm responsible for fundraising for the college that I support. Which people are like, oh my gosh, you ask people for money, that must suck. It's not really that. Like I'm forming relationships and I'm talking to people about, you know, what kind of impact they want to make. And some of these people, you know, it's because it's a tax break. And some of these people, they've had a really great experience or both. So it's a little bit of both. Um, but I work with a lot of men, which is exhausting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and some of those men are fantastic and are some of my best friends. I mean, I, I met rob Mm -hmm. at my office we don't work together anymore get to the fantastic men though we still talk unfortunately um (laughs) (laughs) but then i work with some some men who are like not so great and who don't really understand how women you know can have relationships with men and not be sleeping with them Mm -hmm. um still to this day do men touch your shoulder no well so i this is later the work suck stories i i can share that now but like so my my constituency like i said is mostly men so um within my first month of my role we had a dinner with a lot of our our board members um and we were there just like chatting and we were leaving and one of our board members had had a couple to drink and I was reaching to shake his hand to, you know, leave for the evening. And he tried to kiss me. Oh. And so um, three of my colleagues were with me. Two of them were like, oh, my gosh, blah, blah, blah. One of them was like, this is hilarious, blah, blah, blah. Um, so two, two were like, are you okay? The other one two was were, like, two were like what oh, my gosh, thing. what just happened? And one was like, that's hilarious. Let's get some money out of him. Um, so like that, that's stuff I experienced. Like, you know, I meet with, I meet with men and I have to think about where I meet with them. I have to think about 
you know, is this environment within a very populated area? Is it in, you know, at their homes? I'm never going to meet with them at their homes. Um, I'm never going to, you know, not have some type of meeting after where I have to say I have to get to. Um, so those are the type you, of things I need to think about invi- as a woman. Have you been invited to a home? I have not been invited to a home. And this, the people that I have relationships with that would invite me to their homes, I would feel comfortable because I've known them. Right, right. And they're very kind people. And they're ve- like, I don't feel awkward about that. Our organization has a little bit of a, you know, policy around that because they don't sure. want that to ever feel like that's something that, we need right. to do Makes sense. but i don't like the people that would invite me i wouldn't be like this is weird yeah but I get it. you know i've had had scenarios where you know you have two or three drinks and it's like you, it doesn't matter that you're a professional you're a, a sex symbol quite frankly and even like down to what i wear you know like i i can't like <laughs> we're talking about dolly parton's who it's like those are things that I need to think about and any woman needs to think about, which I'm like, oh, my God, if like someone was like, can you bend down and get this? I'd be like, oh, OK, uh-huh. sure. I mean, it made me laugh because it's true. Like I deal with that kind of stuff. And I yeah. know other other women do, too. And it's it's funny. Dude's at still a certain ask point. you to bend down and pick things up. No, dudes don't ask me to do that. Okay, but, um, <laughs> you know, like I've been accused of like sleeping with my colleagues, which is what? <laughs> yeah, which is like a total slap in the face to me and also my husband, who is like fantastic and also friends with the guys that like I'm accused of being sleeping with. So it's really fun. I love it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, glad, very, I'm, I'm very glad we've come so so far since this movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm very I'm very lucky in the fact that I have a very supportive manager. I, I truly do. And I I have had scenarios where, you know, people above my manager have talked to me about it and and I'm I feel support in that sense but it is something that I need to be aware of and that I'm also really conscious of when it comes to you know how I am in the office and how I am working with men um and that's why it's easy for me to like have friends with men is because I have no choice but to get used to that so mm. yeah so you I mean you have no choice but to engage with Rob <laughs> yes, that's true. Even though I don't work with him anymore. But I mean, and that is like one thing that I think like office friendships, especially women office friendships, you know, when um, Dora Lee was like, oh, I don't remember who she was talking about with like, do you want to come get lunch? And I think it was to Judy. Yeah. And she was like, no, I don't want to get lunch with you because, you know, my impression of you is that you're in the office horror or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like that. I, I sympathize with her in that sense because I've had a lot of really great friendships that I've met of women in the office that when I've had hard days have been really good people to bounce like frustrations off of. And I do like, I'm, I'm trying to be really careful about like saying like women are better than men at listening to, but there, there is a camaraderie when it comes to when you do find women in the office place, that's a very special bond when you can go and you can go get drinks and you can go, get high and like have a Maui Wowie and like eat ribs. Like that's a very special relationship that you would never have before unless you were working together. Cause you have um, a common understanding. Of, exactly. Yeah. You're like, I'm frustrated with the same things, but I'm also very happy with the same things. Right. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate the women 
office camaraderie and alliance and respect that the three of them had with each other. Um, and that's not to say that every male that I've ever worked with is terrible. That's not true. You can say that. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not true. I mean, there are very specific males that are very awful. But, um, you know, the ones I'm like Rob is a great example. Like we worked very well together and it was great. But then there were some people who I still work with and it's not so great. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Such yeah. is life. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think it's important that we had you on on this because, like, we mm-hmm. can be aware and, yeah, like, absolutely. see it. But we have no understanding of what it feels like to be in that situation. Like, yeah. we exactly. Can't. We can't. Exactly. Um, yeah. W- one thing that I thought was – so I think probably a lot of people – probably the, the, the most immediately striking thing in this film is the sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. But – what I also appreciate about this film is that it shows how women's ideas um, can be stolen by men. And mm-hmm. I think that's Absolutely. also an f- extremely common thing to happen in, in, I would imagine, workplaces of all kinds. But it seems particularly true in this office environment. Um, and so Lily Tomlin's character has all these wonderful like I mean, Lily Tomlin runs that office. Right. Yeah. She's she the, had like the daycare starting. She did the color coding, like all of yeah, that stuff. And, and Damney Coleman just basically just pretends it was his idea and gets all the credit for it. And I yeah. think that that's. I I mean I don't I don't want to like it. It just seems remarkably like common, and and it, and it's something that can happen in an instant too, where like a meeting is happening and a woman can bring up this idea. And like like a magic trick, like a man can make it their own in, in minutes. And and most people mm-hmm. are just like power, like you can't challenge them on it, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, it, it still happens. So my position on the team that I'm currently on was an addition to the team. So I wasn't like a backfill to anyone who left or, you know, whatever. So I was added to a team with a person who has been there for quite some time and is very good at his job, but also doesn't understand how to work with females, yep. quite frankly, and, and has never had to share that scenario and who has never had to, um, you know, strategically decide how to do things. And there is a specific way in which, and this would be anyone, and I also am uh, guilty of it too, I act differently when I'm in front of people like my manager or you know, campus partners who have like our dean or what have you, or the chancellor or whatever, versus if I'm just internal and I'm with colleagues who are on my team. Like everyone acts differently in right, that sense. Right, it's everyone, right? But it's 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 different when you act differently, very strategically, and you make it seem like, oh, I'm helping this person that's my colleague in front of these people that I need to impress on purpose, right? You're not doing it because you want to be a good colleague. You're doing it because you want to show, oh, I'm I'm helping this female come across as doing this work correctly. Right, you're I don't managing need, up but not down. Yeah, I don't need your help to say, Caroline did this or whatever. I can do that on my own. Um, but that's like, that's a true thing, like where you're managing up appropriately, but you're managing up in a way that's almost mansplaining. And I would say to Joe, your point, I think you're right. It does happen more where men steal women's ideas, but anyone I would assume 
in a workplace that's worked there any place long enough has had that happen to them, right? Where like mm-hmm. the power dynamics, yeah. I mean, you it, tell an idea to someone and you see like in an all staff or something that they get all the credit for and you're sitting there being like, wait yeah, a minute. I, I think what? it happens definitely more with women and men, but I think right. bo- bosses in general will just kind of absorb something and then regurgitate it. And then everyone's like, oh, right. that's a great idea. Boss. Well, yeah. that, or like, even, yeah. go ahead, go ahead Joe, sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. Even like co- like women colleagues that are my peers will do that too. I mean, my, not so much right now, but in my previous role, I was in a marketing role, and my my colleagues would say, you know, I'm going to think of this idea, and it's like well, we just talked about that, and that was something I brought up, and it, like we're equal playing fields, we have the same title, we've been there the same time, and it's like what what are you getting across with that that I don't know. Well, the other yeah. thing that I know, like studies have shown, is like uh, those sort of volunteer roles at workplaces mm-hmm. will often fall on women. Yeah, will be like, oh, like, like the the person that recognizes people's birthdays, right, mm-hmm. or yeah. a party committee, yeah, yeah, or yeah. like yeah. any of that. Like, absolutely, hey, we want we have this uh, you know opportunity for workers to do more. It just falls on women to end up having to do it, which is like obviously, you know, not fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does anyone else want to say anything else about women office friendships? I know, uh, Caroline, you talked about it a little bit. I don't know if there's like. I think they're really important. I think office friendships are great. I love them. You don't need to be best friends with them, but I also think you need to have someone who you have similarities with who you can say, I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me walk through this? Or I would really appreciate insight on this scenario. Do you know who you can direct me to for that? That speaks volumes. I mean, I've I've had wonderful women in the organization that I'm at where they've offered their time and their talent and they've said, this is what's worked for me and I'd love for you to learn from it. So I think I just think that's really important. Yeah, I, I'm a big, I mean, clearly, I, I'm a big friend friends with people in the office person. Mm-hmm. And I You're think spending 40 plus hours there. Like, why wouldn't you want to get to know them a little bit? Right. And I, I also think part of it, though, is... I'm not a first impression person. <laughs> like, I'm not like wow. in just general I, life. I, I'm I know not someone worse. Uh, <laughs> I know someone worse, worse at first impressions than you. But I, I'm not someone who you're like, oh, you know, I met that Rob guy. Pretty cool dude. Maybe I want to be friends with him. That's that's not my wheelhouse. Uh, what I can uh, do. Most it's... people would use even more foul language to describe me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What I can I'm do I'm just is shy. Where, yeah. What I can do is wear a person down over time where they'll be like, Hey, you know who seems okay and cool? God, this that guy's Rob around guy. all the time. I guess <laughs> he's, he's just okay. always here. He won't stop talking. Eventually his weird little things have become endearing to me. Uh, which is honestly why I think a big part of like so many of my friends have come from the workplace. So <laughs> my they have no choice to, but to give you multiple chances uh, listen i'm at i'm in a weird way i'm best in large doses (laughs) so my thing is that and i think this is true regardless of your gender uh working in government you have to be more careful about Mm -hmm. what you reveal at work and that can be uh it can be hard for building relationships especially if you're someone who's very like 
in tune to social issues and things like that. Like yeah. it's a, you're always like throwing out, and I imagine it's somewhat true for Joe too. Is like you always have to oh, kind yeah. of you always have to kind of like throw out like hints like oh do you see the news today oh <laughs> right it's all it's coded a, for, yeah. you know for for my job it really depends on the community you work in like i yeah. I, I could like i don't have much to worry about but if i taught in like florida or something or, you know, yeah yeah for me it's just it's always a, a constant like oh i need to be on my guard until i really figure this out I'm in the same way with you, Duff, where it's like I cannot say anything about my beliefs or my just, you know, thoughts on something until I kind of get a pulse on who that person is. Because if I say something, it could result in someone not wanting to support the university that I'm supporting. And like that would suck. Right. So, yeah. Uh, um, So, you know, we have Dabney Coleman in this movie. Yeah. As a boss. This is what I was going to bring up earlier when, when right. Carol and I, and I were kind of stepping on each other. Um, like, the bosses are worthless. Like, they, they don't do anything. Especially middle management. Yeah, that, I mean, that's you guys especially managed, what I mean. But, like, who of you have managed? Like, I, I have. I have. I have not. You have not, right? I, I have. It's... It's a little different situation. It was like a 15-person organization, and... Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, I didn't have a big office like Dabney Coleman. I was literally sitting in a open office cube, and we'll talk about yeah. that later. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Next. Like, so I don't manage right now, but I did in my previous role, and I loved it. I loved, and I had I had younger, like it was an intro role for who I was managing, so I loved being able to say, like, here's what you can make of this position. Here's what you can't. Let's get this going, et cetera, et cetera. I, and that was great. Um, but I was in a middle management position and I couldn't get anything done because the people above me were the ones making the decisions and I could only take the complaints from my team so far, yep. which is very frustrating when you care about those right. that you're managing. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like early in your career, a good boss can be super helpful to help mentor and guide you as you're learning. Absolutely a workplace or you're learning a job mm-hmm. or you're if you're really early in your career just learning a career like how to be a professional i yeah. think they're pretty useful as you get farther along in your career the best bosses kind of step away yeah and say i Leave trust you to do your job and mm-hmm. the the best bosses and you guys know i love pro wrestling the best bosses <laughs> are like a great professional wrestler announcer at, they should be putting you over at all times yeah. Their job is to is to when they talk to other people about you to put the people who are good underneath them over as being good in my mind. So the wor- I will say that the big reason that America and corporate America is having this freak out right now about remote work is that everyone's realizing that I would say 75 to 85% of managers are just babysitters. And yeah, they're uh-huh. no longer mm-hmm. needed. Nope. Yeah. Uh, right. the, 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 like this is what it's going to bring up earlier, but like he has to steal her ideas because he doesn't have any, and he doesn't no. do anything. No. Mm-hmm. Like that. That dude. And this. That's the best part of this film is when they kidnap him. 
Nothing changes. The hardest yeah. we see him work is when he's embezzling. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's he, on the phone, and he's, like, very into it, and he's having a very serious conversation, and he's being, like, very direct and telling them what needs to happen. And we find out that's just because he's embezzling all that for his own sake. And he needs to hide it. Yeah. Like, I, I think I, 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 I don't really have any complaints about my bosses, so I, I, I mean this in, a, like, a universal None of us sense. do. Not in a specific sense, but – the people on the ground, like, you know, are doing the work, right? Yeah. And, right. like, a boss can, like, middle management and up can be gone for weeks at a time, and it will not matter. And mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I, you know, all things considered, have a good boss. And I've worked where the, my boss was gone for months. And it's weird, and it creates some issues and stuff, but everything is fine if you have a good staff, if the people on the ground that are actually right, like I don't produce material goods, you know, but, but if the people doing the actual labor and producing the goods, whether they're tangible or not are there and it's a good staff, it'll be fine. And, and and this movie really illustrates just how useful, useless, excuse me. A lot of these people are, they, they don't do anything. They like, like Duff said, they are babysitters and they're leeches that are stealing the good ideas of the people under them, and they're using yeah. it to just self-promote. Which is my point where I think a good manager's job is to promote the people underneath them. Yeah. And the their whole, ideas. I know it's not just America, but it's especially American, where we have this weird idea where, you know, let's say you show up, it's like, oh, you're really good at making widgets. You're in charge of people now. Those are two totally different things. Absolutely. And it's yeah. just, it's <laughs> but, like, they, but you're operating under the impre- under the assumption that someone who is good at widgets is going to be the person that actually gets the promotion. Well, right. I mean, Which even still, this movie like, punches a hole into that as well. I mean, that's yeah, not it's all nepotism and the, and and friendships. That that's another it. whole aspect to it. But like, you know, the whole idea of like, oh, if you work hard, one day you'll be the manager. And it's like, why is it assumed that? You know, if you're good at thing X, you'll be good at thing Y. Those are totally mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Right. My husband yeah. just recently moved into a managing role, and he's like, I'm so nervous about it. Like, I don't know. I'm like, you just need to realize that you were in the scenario of the people that you're managing, and that's all that matters mm-hmm. is you understand what they're doing. You understand the problems that they're dealing with. You're already going to have an up for other people that wouldn't understand that and be in that scenario. So... You just have to remember that they're people. Like, <laughs> they just want to do a good job. What percentage and, of people that get that promotion can hold on to that memory for more than like a month? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm. I never want to manage again. I never want to be in the position where I have the power to hire and fire and affect people's lives again. I don't. It's a. It's an effed up dynamic, and I don't like. That's <laughs> yeah, terrible. Yeah, I get it. Um. So in, in this movie, everyone's in their little cubicles. Yeah, they spaces. are. I mean, I, in this in this movie on this set, <laughs> cubicles putting it kindly. Like they don't even have yeah, like, that's open. They, they don't desks. they don't have walls. This it's is the right. most yes. dystopian open office I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. So my office that I worked at pre-COVID was open office. Uh-huh. They like just redid it. Rob was there. Uh-huh. I could see Rob from across the room. We could I wave to each other. I immediately got in trouble. 
<laughs> I immediately got, got in trouble, trouble because he talked too loud. Weird. It, Whoa, imagine that. <laughs> shocking. I, um, I got in trouble a lot in that open office, Caroline. He did. He did. <laughs> I know. Um, so, I mean, I here's where I struggle with is when I'm working from home, I I know that I'm not going to be around people. I have an office in a building on campus that I can close my door and I can be by myself, which is convenient in some scenarios, but I'm not going to go and drive 15 minutes to close my door and be by myself when I can do that in the comfort of my own home. I prefer to put effort into the day and seeing people when I am in it. I am in an open office scenario. I appreciate seeing other people. I appreciate seeing some colleagues that I enjoy seeing and just chatting like that. I love, I know that not many people do, but I do. Yeah. Um, so open, open office is good in that scenario. Um, but it is very ironic that the, you know, a lot of offices, I feel like pre COVID went open office, no, no cubicles, no walls, et cetera. Yeah. And then here we are, no one just coming into the office. Just exactly. got owned by a yeah. global um, pandemic. <laughs> open open offices were entirely to save people money. That's totally. all companies' that's, money. And, that's, and yeah. to create a surveillance Fine. state. It's it's a it's creating a surveillance state. The reason they yeah. want an open mm-hmm. office is to watch you, period, mm-hmm. I think. It, but the money part thing is part of it, too. I, I, mean, right I mean, I'm sure that the surveillance stay is an added I think bonus, it's money more than anything else. But I've I've seen that the the whole, you know, this whole open office fad really kicked off in the, like, what, mid-aughts, I feel yeah. like. And I was Mid like, oh, aughts. everyone's going to work together and be a team and hang out and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And now there's just, even before COVID, there was a huge backlash to it now, especially after COVID. It's just, it's mm-hmm. awful. We, it is, we, it uh, is, it is dehumanizing. In ours, we were we were our uh, Caroline and I's like director was like I cannot wait for us to bring all that energy in that building where we're going in. It's gonna be open office. We're gonna like really spice things up. People are gonna see the kind of energy we have. Now, listen, anyone who knows me or listens to this knows I'm a loud human being with opinions. <laughs> and within like a month, I had several reprimands for some of the silliest things where it was yeah. like you're too loud. You're you're talking to other colleagues too much. Mm-hmm. Now, now, let me be clear. The other colleagues were not complaining. It was like people from the outside watching. Like it wasn't the people I was yeah. talking to being like rubs bothering me. We had like these like weird like padded benches that you could sit in. <laughs> were I you in an asylum? No, no. It, it felt like asylum. it. But like there was like these like you like sort of like an L shaped padded bench. The idea is that someone came into your like your open cubicle space they could sit on it but sometimes i would rotate my chair and put my feet on this literally it's a wooden bench with like a flimsy pad on it and i got told like you shouldn't put your feet on there stop putting your feet like just some of the crazy stuff and i kept like pushing back the whole idea is that we were going to bring energy and like people talking and collaborating together and then as soon as people saw it one person is like i don't like the noise over there and it's like can't do it anymore can't do it anymore it's like well what was the point of this then something something i've read about and strongly identify with is how office life in general is set up to favor the extrovert and the pandemic Mm -hmm. and the pandemic has really switched that and the extroverts are freaking out Oh, I'm freaking out. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's an amazing point. And I'm an introvert and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I have my privacy. And like, I, Mm -hmm. 
I think there's a balance. Like I do think working from home gets really, really squirrely, but it is yeah. funny to like see all this like, oh hey extroverts, you uncomfortable? Yeah, how's that feel every day? <laughs> That's because these yeah. powered introverts are now winning and telling us to do all the time. I'm tired of it. I just yep. want some peace and quiet <laughs> once in a while. Jesus Christ. <laughs> age age of the introverts, man. That's what I'm I saying. I mean, I'm 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 38. I am fairly successful in my career. I've never had an office and I don't know if I ever will. It's overrated. I have an office at the door and I keep it open and my colleague thinks it's weird and I'm like I cannot handle like the hallway going dark when no one moves like it's just weird to me like yeah you have to move to put on the motion light yeah and when i when i close my door i don't want to be bothered and that means i don't want to be bothered and that's what it is i think that's fair like the door open anyone could come in yeah anyone like i want people to come in and say hi i want like i want to see students walk by i want to see faculty walk by i want faculty to stop by like I don't mind that. Sure. Right. That's fair. But it's, it's, yeah. I, I just, I, yeah, I just want to have the option. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, exactly. I have an office and I, 90% when I'm in the office, I leave the door open 90% of the time. Uh, when I close it, it's usually because I'm across the hall from the public access cable studio. <laughs> and man, those people are weirdos. <laughs> we haven't yeah, gotten any good like stories weirdos. about that in a while. Oh, man. It must be yeah. so much worse now. It's largely dead. Uh, really? I, I mean, there's all cable access isn't thriving, Joe. Are you shocked? Yeah. Can, can you can you get our show on it? I mean, I probably could. I, oh, we should do that. We, sh- we air a lot. We should of re- do it. Somehow, it's okay that we air a lot of religious programming, so I don't see why we couldn't. Uh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. We'll talk about that afterwards. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this movie's called Nine to Five. Mm-hmm. And it's always, has anyone actually ever worked nine to five? Because I've always had to work eight hour days, but like you have a lunch. So like it's always eight to five that I've ever had to like. I put this on the agenda, my ideal work hours, because I think COVID has allowed us to experiment with that more. And I I think that's great. So I'm a morning person. My alarm goes off at 6 a.m. And (laughs) I hate you too. Um, (laughs) My alarm goes off at 6 a.m. And I am up and out of the bed by like 6.02 like, let's get it going. Let's get it popping. Gotta get up. I would work from, so in the depths of quarantine, when we were not allowed to go into the office, from 6 to like 8.30 or 9, I was tremendously productive. I would crank out emails. I would have my coffee. I would watch the news, listen to the news, whatever. And I would get so much done. Mm-hmm. And then 9.30, 10 o'clock hit, and I would be like, okay, I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to go do a workout, like whatever. And then I get back to it, and then two or three hit, and I'm like, I'm done with the day. Like, I am not productive between the hours of two and three. I never napped until quarantine, and now I do between those hours. And that, like, if I could work from 6 to 2 p.m., I would be happy. And I think there are multiple people in this world that probably feel the same. So yeah. that's why I want to know, what are your ideal work hours? Don't think about 40 hours, like right. the most productive so hours, I, the time, et cetera. I think the ideal work hours should be whatever you need to get your job done. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, going, I, I know this will never go anywhere because it's America, but it's like, if that's 20 hours, if that's mm-hmm. 30 hours, whatever, like 
I am the exact opposite in that I will, I am 8 to 4.30, technically. Um, Mm. I will roll out of bed at 7.45. (laughs) Uh, I've set the coffee pot the night before, so I don't have to worry about it. Oh, you have a timer. Yeah. So, like, you know, and then I'll kind of fire up the laptop and then, (laughs) you know, see who's yelling at me about COVID not being real on social media today. (laughs) Uh, and I'll just kind of, you know, I'll work for a little while and then it's like, oh, all right, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> in your car? I don't need to anymore. In the parking I, lot? I, I, don't need, I don't need to anymore. I can just go back upstairs to bed. I mean, I, I did, guys, I took, I did take a car nap about a month ago. And that, that was the first time since like 2020. Have you heard my theory about how twenty-two minute naps are the best type of nap? Isn't that twenty-two minute naps? I feel I I don't twenty-two minute naps. I mean, I don't know about the time frame, but they always say that short naps are best. If it is between, you know, in the afternoon, not at the evening when you are have been drinking, and do they say uh, if it's good or bad for your psyche if a homeless person knocks on the window when you're taking a car nap. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't read that part of the It's like Mahal and Drive and study. Snaps. <laughs> I I will I will I will agree with you, Duff. As someone who for better or for worse and insert jokes here, does things very quickly. Like I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying I'm great at what I do, but like if you give me a task, I'm very good at completing a task quickly. Until like recently people who are just slow at doing their jobs are always rewarded because they talk about how long it took them to do something. Yeah. And as someone who is like an efficient, get things done quickly thing, there's not a person I hate more who like goes on to be like, Oh, I was, I worked 14. And I'm like, that's too bad. That's something that would take me six, took you 14 hours. Like that's not a pro in my mind. Like I don't understand why they're rewarded for doing things at a slower pace. Whenever I open an email that is more than, say, 200 words, I'm like, what a waste of time. Delete. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, just just because you're slow at something doesn't mean you're bad. I mean, that's, you know, it's fine. You take more time, but it's not a, you shouldn't be rewarded for doing something slower. Nor should I necessarily be rewarded for doing things faster. Just don't make me make up time. I mean, it really, this country really hasn't gotten beyond the whole notion of assembly lines where everyone is making things at the same time we really haven't gotten beyond 1920 right i mean i I, that said like you know we are a lot of us are in great situations and lucky and privileged careers where um Mm -hmm. i it is fine that that's the way i work and it's but it's very valuable to me when a workplace is like yeah i don't care your hours just get your things done it's like yeah that's fine that's perfect um all right work sucks yeah, it's that's what the season's about. Dude, Nine to scary. five it's, talks about it's, it. It sucks so bad. We got. Let, let's end this with some stories. Some work sucks <laughs> stories. All right. Um, Joe, let's start with you. I I I know. Um, you know, your work's a little different than ours. What's a what's a work sucks tale? You well, I tried us? to think of one that that applies to all of us, and and it, we were just talking about time. Yeah. And and I I thought I'd do a little character study. Uh, so I, I think this combines sort of what the movie is about, just like sort of the male, the, the patriarchy and the workplace. Cause this isn't always men, but it's often men. Right. 
the dude who won't stop talking during meetings oh, is the, I, I I don't believe in capital punishment, but <laughs> and, and you know I sometimes it takes me too long to get my point across. I mean anyone that's listened to this podcast knows that. Well, we usually cut it down so they won't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm necessarily all that much worse than your average person, but but I do, I can read the room 99% of the time, though. And right. every, there, there are two different kinds of meetings. There's meetings where uh, we have to have this meeting and we are going to talk at you from management. <laughs> and announce all of these things. And the sooner we get done and talking at you, the sooner the meeting will be over. And then there's like- Sooner you can take that car nap. Sure. And then there's like collaborative meetings where like you're trying to solve a problem or come up with an idea for something, right? And those are open-ended and and necessarily require conversation. There is a certain type of person who has to talk during meetings and will not (laughs) shut up. Yeah. And yeah. those people make work suck. Uh, mm-hmm. Shut up. Right. And everyone works with like two or three people where there's a meeting is happening and their hand goes up or they stand up or however it works in, in your workplace and they start talking. Everyone's eyes glaze over and they just do not stop. Awful. The, the, the greatest thing to happen at work in some ways is the uh at least in office work is the idea that everyone has laptops and that it's okay to bring laptops to meetings because thank god now when it happens i can just be like i'm just gonna do something else and i actually have something else to do versus like sitting there and being like i gotta pretend i'm listening now now it's like i'll just use my computer until they're done but, but, That's but, been a, a big advantage. So for me, like. like most of the time, for most of my career, these meetings would occur after the school day was over. Oh. And, and, and so like the sooner the meeting is over, the sooner yeah. I could either go back to my classroom and resume the real work right. or go home. Right. And these blowhards would just get up and just start talking. And, sucks, and these people man. existed in college too, right? The people oh, sure. Who yeah. would like- this, this, this also happens in classrooms as well. Right, they raise their hand, and usually the worst are the people who, like, when they're talking, it's like every few words they have to stop, and then they make a weird sound as if, like, the next few words that they're going to choose are so important, and they have to, like, be very careful in what they say, which just extends what they're saying to be even longer. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's a oh very, there's a very, I, I have a very careful balance of, uh, not listening to anything that's going on, but also <laughs> once in a while contributing a, oh yeah, uh, that's a good idea to just show that I'm like not totally brain dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> like just, just to show that like I haven't gotten into a catatonic state. Like it's, it's a delicate balance and that's my whole goal in work life meetings. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. So that uh, th- those people should get the death penalty is the, <laughs> yeah, no, I, we, we all have those. Caroline, I know you already shared a couple work stories. Is there any you want to add or do you think? Um... Um, no, I mean, I think I've shared the most of the, you know, I've been accused of having. Relevant to nine to five. I've, yeah, I've been accused of having relations with colleagues. I've been accused of. Have you, you, do know, you 
I'm assuming you get called like pet names like Gal or um, Sweetie. I've been called Honey, which I absolutely hate. And he calls all the ladies girl, which I absolutely despise. Uh, I've been told to downplay my prettiness, which I don't even know what that means. Uh, to get some scars um, or something? <laughs> I don't know. Um, which, it, you know, my my husband brings up the opposite of like, if I'm raising, if my goal of the jo- my job is to raise money, like, wouldn't I want to actually up my prettiness? That doesn't make any sense, but I've been told to downplay it. Um, yeah, We've I mean, all it's been told that. <laughs> yeah. So I think you know, just the majority of my work is dealing with colleagues versus constituents. But guys, you'll be you'll be shocked to learn that uh, cops are not very uh, <laughs> not not very good at treating both genders fairly. Wow. It's hmm. true. Uh, I, I just true. remember one time, like uh, this. I won't say his name, but he came over. Um, he came over. He's like, hey. And he had a question about something that was fairly simple. He was like, yeah, I talked to the gals up front, and they told me the same thing. And I'm like, huh. you you mean Ashley and Lori who've worked here for six years? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that 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 one gets – I have I heard that one within a couple of weeks. Like, oh, the girls in the back. Like, the girls in the back. Jesus. Yeah. Is there a um, kindergarten back there? Right. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, Duff, we'll end it on one of yours because I always love your uh, tales uh, of temping. Tales of temping. So but I let me let me let me let me do mine real quick and then we'll oh, end okay. it with yours. Um, I I uh, my first job out of college, I was it was terrible. It was a terrible job, like early job out of college, and I had a boss who was very nice. I liked this guy, um, but we would have to like do we have to travel around the state sometimes and to go to different events, and he was like I don't know twenty five years older than me. I'm in like my early twenties. And he would do a thing, not to the Dabney, uh, the Dabney Coleman effect, but kind of not far from it, where we would like, you know, be at it, wherever we would go. And let's say there was like a good looking lady who was around, like at a gas station, maybe, or at the restaurant we were at or who knows. He would always like mention it to me. Right. Where I'm always like, mm-hmm. I, like, oh, hey. Like, I don't know what to say, you know, like, you know, we would, he'd get back in the vehicle and be like, man, I love spring when the ladies are out or whatever. And nope. Like, um, okay. And it's like, what you said wasn't necessarily wrong, but it is uncomfortable. And I wish you wouldn't have done that. Also, it, like, it's, you worked for the Wisconsin Bar Association. Like, right. Like, I mean, I can, like, say, I can say that, right? It, it was just one of those things where it was just like. Yeah, man, I know too. I know it is too, but I don't want to talk about it with you. Like, this isn't a <laughs> yeah. conversation I want to have. So I don't know. I thought that was like most related to this. That sort of like even a good guy. He was a good guy. I never saw him doing anything like around, you know, other women at work. But like, it's just those little moments. You're like, ugh. Don't he do he that. wanted to be your bro. He wanted to yeah, be pals. Yeah, don't say that. I don't. It's not a conversation I want to have with my boss. Yeah. That's it's inappropriate for a number of reasons, right? But I think we've all like, I don't know, maybe not all. But I mean, that's like a thing yeah, that happens, I've, and it's yeah. yeah. All right, tales of temping. Uh, so I <laughs> I I tried to think of like when's a time I've just been utterly humiliated <laughs> at a job, <laughs> and right. I know I feel like long ago I've told this to Rob. So, uh, 
this was 2006. Uh, my illustrious uh, BAs from UW-Madison allowed me to uh, work uh, temping at a industrial air conditioning plant. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so first off, my my job <laughs> the, the trial of the millennial. <laughs> my my job was uh, people would call the sales rep and they'd be like, "Our company's air conditioner from 1985 broke or needs blah blah blah," and they'd be like, "Oh okay, I'll blah, blah, I'll help you with that." My job was to literally go into this back room filled with microfiche, find the plans and schematics for some air conditioner built. 10 years before i was born <laughs> and well you know like any old movie where like someone's looking up a serial killer and they're at a microfiche machine like <laughs> yeah. scrolling like that was me except it was air conditioner schematics for hvac oh, um so that's the that was the gig it was a six-month gig i will say it paid like 14 15 an hour which in 2006 was a decent amount of money um so uh, there was, it was coming up on Halloween, and like most offices, there's going to be like an office dress up Halloween potluck, and so, um, you know, I'm the temp, and but they were like, oh, you can, uh, you can get out to you and come to the potluck and bring something, and there's a costume contest, and you can, you know, blah blah. It was my my supervisor Debbie, who was like a middle aged woman who was like sitting across from me open office of course um and so the day comes and it's like the the halloween day i dressed up as a priest i got like a cheapo priest outfit (laughs) from party city um and there was a costume i forget what it was it was something lame like you know 25 or 50 bucks but it was a contest and i'm like helping to set things up and i mentioned something about the contest and and debbie was like oh you're not eligible because you're not really an employee here. Oh, because you're a temp. I'm a temp. <laughs> oh no. And oh. and and she's like, but I still got to like help set up and clean and you know clean up. And oh, take thank the, God. Yeah. So <clears throat> and just just like if there's ever a moment to just remind you of your place in the world, it's like no, you're a temp. I'm sorry, you're not actually employed here. Do you know? Do you know what website uh, people go to when their air conditioner breaks? <laughs> what? Onlyfans.com. Oh. <laughs> All right, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Uh, okay. Anything else on nine to five before we uh, close out, Caroline? Anything else you want to say? Thanks for listening to me and my <laughs> tales. Thanks for coming on and you know bringing uh some sort of authority in yeah. <laughs> i'll say it's extra fun for everybody who knew who you were talking about yeah exactly uh, <laughs> so next week joe I, let me quick question is work still suck when we come back on our next episode I, I feel pretty confident that a week from now work will still suck yeah. okay <laughs> i feel like so I what feel are we like talking about none of us are going to want to do it it's it's not going to rally in the next week i will say a week from now uh as of this recording i will be uh it'll be one night before my last day of work before summer vacation Ooh, hey i might get i might be a little spicy next weekend you might be having some maui wowie (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> I, you know, I've been watching a lot of uh, Kids in the Hall lately because mm-hmm. my wife had, had never seen it, and, mm-hmm. and the boys are back, which like Duff and I have been texting about how happy we are about it. Oh, man, it's and so I, good. I, I showed her the Girl Drink Drunk uh, oh, sketch. Yeah. I'm maybe Maybe next week I should get Girl Drink Drunk. You should. <laughs> I could combine that and the Daddy Drink uh, sketch together. Exactly. Daddy Drink for the government. <laughs> So, so what are we talking about next week? Yeah, we're going to do uh, Sorry You Miss You by Ken Loach, uh, a great director, um, a, a guy who I think firmly understands how much work sucks. And it's going to be all about the immiserating, like awful, dehumanizing gig economy that we're all sort of uh, – mm. that, that was pitched to us as like uh, our, as our key – As a liberating, flexible way of working, but in actuality is – um, a way to pay poverty wages for people to get murdered uh, from the people that are um, doing ride sharing with them or get sexually harassed. So open office 2.0. <laughs> yeah, but it's in your car instead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're gonna talk about we're talk about that. I've not seen that as well, so I'm excited to to jump into that. And then uh, you know we have our our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash The Midnight Boys. We will. Uh, I think by the time this airs, we'll have an episode on Top Gun. Tons of other episodes. We also, uh, people are currently voting on what we're going to talk about for the Work Sucks season. So, uh, you know, we'll have additional episodes for that. And yeah, two dollars a month—a pretty good deal. And Caroline, thanks again. Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned before how, um, you know, outside of like one where people pay us for, we've never had a guest on a free podcast. So <laughs> it only makes sense that you were our first guest. Thank you. Uh, and uh, still this week, this week in Lord's Year of 2022, there was another sign up for Sinking Feeling on Titanic. I know. Right? I can't what? believe it. I cannot believe it. Thank you to whomever you are. You are an angel <laughs> on high. Um, <laughs> every month or so, there's another sign up for that. I love it. Uh, well, next week we'll be talking about Sorry We Missed You, uh, just the three of us. So if you want more <laughs> Caroline, you'll have to Numbers will be way her. down. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to follow her mom on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Or me on Instagram or whatever, you know. <laughs> All right. 